Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and this episode is a long-awaited, much-anticipated sequel. This is The Land of 2000 Grapes Part 2, The Red Wines of Italy. I was waiting to do this one because I wanted to find a good artistic pairing to do with these wines, but since we only have a few episodes left before our hiatus, Winston and I threw caution to the wind and decided to pair these wines with some of our favorite nerdy content that we've been consuming recently. Namely, God of War, Legend of Vox Machina and Critical Role, and Warhammer Total War. These are all topics that have been requested at some point or another, but we probably won't have time to cover all of them in their own episodes before the break. So I thought, let's drink two wines in one glass, if you will. If you don't care about those things, I think you'll still really enjoy the episode as it is primarily about these wines, and you'll get some good Winston history rants, all the pairing classics. Thank you so much to our newest patron, Yara Levy, and to all of our patrons. Yara joins the ranks of our beloved producer-level patrons. Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Rebecca Joy Henrietta White, Rachel Berman, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would traipse around Italy with as though we were a D&D party. I'm so grateful to everyone who is still supporting us on the Patreon. It makes a world of difference, and I am planning to do some sort of live stream before we go on hiatus. It may be me blind tasting wine, it may be something else. We'll see. But if you'd like to watch it, come join us at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can get access to all sorts of extras for as little as $1 a month. Without further ado, here is episode 95 The Land of 2000 Grapes Part 2, The Red Wines of Italy. I'm going to start recording right now because we're in the closet. The we're dreamatorium. In, we're in the dreamatorium, as I have, <laughs> as we've now named the uh, recording studio slash closet. And uh, Queenie, oh no, she's settled down. She was just uh, playing and, and fighting Winston's suspenders. So yep. uh, we thought that was going to make for some really good content. Yeah, especially on a non-visual medium. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, hi, Winston. Hi, It's Emma. been so long since, I mean... I don't think I've been in to record since you got your new setup. I don't think so. So it's been at least a couple months. Yeah. Life is, I mean, we had COVID. Yeah, we, that, sur- we survived the we COVID. We survived COVID. Way to ring in the new year. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then things have just been crazy for both of us. We've just been really busy. Yeah. And, and I mean, you much more so than me just with your your daily life and work, but I have been, you know, going to work at the wine store, doing a bunch of things I can't talk about, doing a bunch of other things that I can talk about, but I don't want to right now. And it's just been, (laughs) it's just been a, it's just been a time. Well, you did make a new best friend. I did, but we can't talk about it. Oh, we can't talk about it? Okay. No. Oh, oh, it's it's a secret, everyone. Yeah, it's a secret. Come on. (laughs) Come on. But it's kind of a big deal. (laughs) But anyway, <laughs> in in times like these that are very busy, what could be better than turning to 
Italian red wine. Booze. Booze. Well, so if you if you recall, Winston and listeners, there was an episode a while ago, a long time past. Long, long ago. Long, in long the before ago, time. In the before time. I think it was still, I think it was, we might have still all, or already been in COVID times when we did it, but that's still two years ago. Yeah. Um. So, so we did an episode about the white wines of Italy, and I said I was going to do an episode about the red wines of Italy, um, and now we're doing it. Right on. <laughs> um, so, as I was just telling Winston, so as you all know, we've got about five episodes left before... Um, before we go on hiatus, and I have most of them planned. I, at this point, I think I have all of them planned. But I got some requests for things to do, and those of you who follow me on Twitter know that I'm, I've been playing more games recently. We've done some episodes on games on the show. Winston, you, you, uh, your Christmas gift was a gaming PC, so you've been playing some fun games. So I thought, let's go through not all of the red grapes of Italy, because there are like... 3,000 of them. Mm. But let's go through some of the major ones and then some of the like more obscure kind of fun ones. And let's just pair them with the games that we're playing right now. Okay. Or people in the games or, you know, like D&D classes. I, we're going to freeform this. Okay. Well, I've got one right off the bat here. Okay. Well, first of all, what are we drinking? Well, we are drinking a Langeroso. So, okay. Langeroso means usually if it says rosso on it, if it's a if it's an Italian red wine, it probably means it's a blend. Um, I believe this one is a blend of I'm guessing Barbera, Dolcetto, maybe a little Nebbiolo in here, but um, but. Probably a couple other random red grapes, but definitely Barbera and Dolcetto, I'm guessing, are in here. Okay, cool. Um, which, they're on my list to talk about. But you said you had a pairing right off the bat, so... Well, right, so you have Sangiovese, right? Yes, and we're not going to talk a whole lot about Sangiovese, because it is the one grape... We've covered... We, we, we did a well. whole episode <laughs> just about Sangiovese. If you haven't listened by any chance, it's our second episode... It was. That's it's right. the uh, Kill the Bill. Kill, that's right. The, the Kill, Kill Bill, Bill episode, episode um, which I is still one of my absolute favorites. Oh um, yeah. And so, so go back and listen to that. But, but yes. So Sangiovese. So as we've discussed in previous episodes, or as you've um, explained to me, rather, mm-hmm. uh, it does mean the blood of Jupiter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I have been playing the only three games I have on my. My shiny new gaming PC are the Warhammer Total War games. Yes. And so the one that just came out particularly focuses on the evil forces and gods of chaos. Aha. There's four chaos gods. There's the sexy one, the magic-y one, the plaguey one, and... Blood for the blood god, Korn. Oh, his his K H O R N E. Um, his followers really uh, just want to kill as much and collect as many skulls as possible to honor good old Korn. Mm-hmm. His demon avatars are called bloodthirsters. Nice. They are. They look like 
Christian Satan, or they kind of look actually they kind of Christian look like Satan. they kind of look huh. like the miniature Balrog. They got okay. the big wings. They got okay. the whip. They got the you oh, know, I the, see what you mean. Their like, head to toe like the red. Christian Satan, yeah. like the, in, Sa- in the, yeah, 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 exactly. The the Satan of of for a second <laughs> of, of popular Christian mythology, not I was, necessarily. I was like, I think Satan's pretty inherently non-Christian. Yeah, no, yeah, Satan yeah. is not down <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, <laughs> um, he's like Jesus. Hate that guy. Yeah, totally. That's I'm not I'm not a Christian, so I don't know. But that's sort of yeah. what I've gathered. Yeah. So he's not the cool Dante Satan that has Judas Iscariot and uh, Brutus forever being chewed in his mouth. Right. But right. he's got the horns and the wings yeah, and the hooves nice, and all that nice. stuff. Very cool. And so blood for the blood god. Um, also, nice. Zeus is very bloody yeah. as a god. Um, speaking of gods, you've been playing God of War. Yeah, I just finished God of War. So, and I promised I would talk about God of War a little bit. Um, I feel like Sangiovese is not quite right for Kratos. Mm. Um, maybe more for, uh, Balder. I don't want to give spoilers. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more for the primary antagonist of the game. Well, the the Balder character in the game feels nothing, so probably right. couldn't enjoy it. No, no, I don't think I. I actually don't think Sangiovese is quite right for for God of War. Maybe for Atreus when he grows up. And well, yeah, when, when he's grown. Yeah, actually, um, I think the witch. Um, oh. I think she would. She would like some Sangiovese. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but we've talked about Sangiovese before. Let's move on. If you want to hear more about Sangiovese, listen to Pretty. Pretty much any episode of pairing because I pretty much talk about it on every episode because it is my favorite. Okay, but let's move on to the other, the other main grapes, the other most important red grape of Italy, which I've also talked about, is Nebbiolo. And so Nebbiolo is the primary grape of a region called Piedmont, um, which is northwest Italy. And that's where you'll find the uh, appellations of Barolo and Bar- and Barbaresco and um, and also the Lunghe region, which is kind of a more general region. And so if you see Lunghe, L-A-N-G-H-E, on a label, um, it usually means you're going to get a pretty great wine for a good value. Um, so you'll see like Lunghe Nebbiolos. Nebbiolo being the grape of Barolo Barbaresco, those are some of the greatest, most expensive bottles in the world. Some have called Barolo the king of wine. I'm not sure if we can relate that to anything in any games we're playing. Well, I think I have Winston explained this before. But as Mm -hmm. I discovered when we were in Italy, the kingdom of Piedmont Sardinia is the kingdom that ultimately went on to unify and the Italian peninsula and create what is now the modern state of Italy. Yes. All started with Piedmont Sardinia. Yes. And I'm I'm realizing I now am playing uh, Dragon Age again. We have done a whole Dragon Age episode, but we focused on Inquisition. I'm playing Origins again. Um, and Which you're streaming, and it's very fun to watch. It is, it is, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I swear, I swear, I'm gonna finish soon. <laughs> um, but but uh, I think that Nebbiolo is a good one. Mm. Ironically, I think Nebbiolo is a is a good one for low gain, mm. which I think 
I think there is an option in the game to to let Loghain become king. You'd have to still not king. Yeah, still not king. <laughs> uh, you'd have to really, really upset Alistair, possibly kill Alistair to make it happen. But I feel like Nebbiolo is a good one for him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess on my end, there is a race in Warhammer mm-hmm. um, called the Empire. Ooh. And it's it's a human human race, and they are modeled after the Holy Roman Empire. So they're mm. actually modeled on Germany. You know, mm-hmm. all the characters' names are Germany. The emperor's name is Karl Franz. Karl Franz. But they have the the units they have where these brightly colored, like blue and red, um, almost look like the Swedish the Swiss Guard uh-huh. that guard the Pope, uh-huh. and um, and they have also these mercenary free companies, mm. which, you know, of like crossbowmen or, um, or you know, halberdiers or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And um, based on the uniforms and the, and the like mercenary culture, I would relate that to Italy because yeah. that was a lot of what Italian states, especially pre like unified Italy, a lot of Italian states basically worked their their they didn't have standing armies they just had these huge mercenary forces and they yeah. would they would hire out to everybody like at the battle of um Poitiers for instance mm-hmm. um a lot of the soldiers on the french side were um Nepali- N- neapolitan uh crossbowmen mm. mercenaries that mm. were hired and subsequently mown down by uh british longbowmen who you know, didn't fuck around. Oh, but anyway, but uh, so that that Nebbiolo kind of reminds me of the the flashiness and the mercenary culture of the the empire of man. For sure, and um, I know I've described it before, but and I'm not going to go into this much detail with all of these grapes because there's a lot of them. But mm. Nebbiolo is a very important one. So what defines Nebbiolo is that it's fairly light in body sort of light to medium bodied but it has really firm tannins to it so it's sort of this paradox of like ooh, this is light and pretty and you get like both kind of dust and leather and like rose petal sometimes so it's got all these fun kind of contradictions it is it is one of the greatest wines in the world in my opinion i am ho um so so that's that's kind of an interesting thing about Nebbiolo is it's kind of full of these contradictions. Nice. Um, Should the, we talk about Montepulciano or do you have another have one you a, want to do a, first? I'm, you got a, you got a plan. I All got right. a plan. I trust Before the plan. Before we move on to Montepulciano, I just want to give a shout out to my to my girls, Barbera and Dolcetto. Okay. Um, those are also major grapes in the Piedmont region. And the saying goes like, the people of Piedmont, they send the Barolo and the Barbaresco out, but they keep the Barberas and Dolcettos to drink for, for themselves, themselves. Just, ah, cool. just for everyday drinking. So Barberas and Dolcettos are more like everyday drinking, and we're drinking some blend of those those two grapes, I believe. Oh, neat. Um, yes. So Barberas are, are great. Um, Barberas, my mom's favorite. Shout out to mom. Um, Barbera would be a good one for... Morrigan from Ooh, Dragon Age. Yeah, okay. I think. I think. Yeah, um, keeping it for herself. Yeah, she would. She would. Sisters are doing it for themselves. 
and an evil baby. Yeah. Um, Dolcetto. Dolcetto's fun because, uh, talk about another contradiction. I think literally in Italian, Dolcetto means little little sweet one, mm. but it is not sweet at all. Mm. Um, it's it's a bit a bit darker fruited, but still kind of medium bodied. I. Th- it's one of my favorite pizza wines. I actually didn't used to like Dolcetto, but I think it was just that I didn't have a good one. Um, there's some really good ones out there. First of all, wine and pizza is an underrated combo. You think it's underrated? I think it's... I know you're a beer and pizza person. But... Well, yeah, I do like a, a, a beer with my pizza, but, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, getting a nice wine with a nice pizza, especially if, you, oh, yeah. you know, if you've got... If you got access to fancy pizza where you is, oh man, um, yeah, that's my that's my preference. Though another one of my favorite pizza wines, I will come back to Dolcetto, but um, another one of my favorite pizza wines is Montepulciano. Ah, okay. Uh, so this is the wine that I have poured for many a mobster. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I have poured many, many, many a mobster. many members of organized Italian crime syndicates. A lot of this wine, I used to work at a mob restaurant, and um, I will not name it, but there were lots of baptisms and, uh, you know, engagement, weddings, all that stuff, and we were going through the Montepulciano at breakneck pace. And so because of my association with uh, the organized crime of it all, I would like to pair this wine with the Greenskins, the orcs nice. and goblins nice. who live only for the war yes. or war. They um, they they get bigger based on how tough they feel. They are half humanoid, half fungus with tremendous psychic powers. Their mm. two gods are named Gork and Mork. Mm-hmm. So if there was to be a restaurant for the Greenskins of Warhammer where meat was back on the menu, boys, I propose that it be called Gork and Mork's Fork. <laughs> and, I, I, they are I, delightful I'm, I am to play. in love with this idea. <laughs> they, I grant inspiration to you for, for they, that Thank idea. you. You're thank welcome. you. Bardic inspiration. Yeah. The yeah. Orcs are a delight to play. They, you know, they talk like this and we're going to go smash them up hard, boys. Oh, my and God. Yes, they would totally serve Montepulciano <laughs> at Gork and Mork's Fork. Yeah, there you yes. go, right? With the side of Humi. Yes. <laughs> um, or Squinty, as they call the dwarves. Ooh. Um, I was just as you were as you were talking, I was listening, but I was just looking this this up because I couldn't remember his name. But I think Montepulciano would be a good one for Mimir, who's the severed head, the, the literal that, talking head, the literal talking head that you carry around on your hip. He's your buddy. He's your buddy. Oh my god, the game. Uh, I here's my thing about God of War. I'm gonna just take a quick yeah, little go for it. Little it's little side part. Um, as a like cinematic experience, it was fucking incredible. Um, it. I, I understand why, like, people call it the best game ever made. Like, I know a lot of people call it the best game ever made. For me personally, I, as we discovered, I'm more of an RPG kind of person. Like, I like having a big squad to interact with. Um, and, and just some of the platforming and, like, puzzle solving of... Uh, of God of War was challenging for me. I'm not saying it wasn't 
well designed or anything. But um, for me, as like a newbie gamer, this was the hardest game I'd ever played. Yeah. Just well, just to like get from point A to point B. Well, and also you went from a game that was like that was so so full of text, you know, mm-hmm. In ter- like. You're having character interactions and dialogue all the time, and God of War is a much more sort of quiet and solitary experience. So not only are you, you know, doing these puzzles and stuff that can be quite frustrating at times. Yeah. Um, especially that one where you're trying to raise the mine shaft elevator. Oh my god! I, I, I had to. I had to. <laughs> I, I I cheated on that one. For but sure. um, but it's not only are you dealing with that, which can be really frustrating, like to the point that I gave up trying to open those rune chests. Yeah, and... me too. Me too. I I I, uh, the, I did a couple of them. Yeah, you know, um, I can do the easy ones. But yeah, the, but the ones where but you the have ones to where hit them where all it's like, and like timed. Yeah. yeah, and you have to run at a certain point. It's like, is this worth it? Like, right. Like I could be. I could be because what was so cool about it was moving the story forward. Yeah, and, and so. And you don't. In addition to the frustrating puzzles, there's um, there's a, a lot less stimulation. Yes. Like you have, you know, you have your son there, uh, dad of boy. Um, and I mean, the boss fights are fucking incredible. Oh, what? Like, yeah, uh, like, untouchably yeah. good. Yeah. Um, no, but but uh, my point was, once you got Mimir. I started enjoying the game so much more. Yeah, because then you and, are getting that interaction. Because you are getting that interaction. You get this kind of humor to the game as well, because otherwise it's just sort of morbid, and it's like, be nicer to your son, Kratos. <laughs> and then your um, son gets all uppity. Yeah, he gets and, all uppity. And, um, and you're like, teenagers are stupid. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, you went, Never through, told you you went through puberty in like five minutes. <laughs> um, but... Uh, and then once you get your flingerang, oh yeah, the flingerangs because the because the axe is super cool, but but I I I struggled with it because I struggle with anything that you have to aim, um, mm-hmm. and I know you don't have to aim it all the time, but but anytime but a lot you of did. especially when you're doing the puzzles and platforming, yeah, you're, and if you're it's like, and if it's like the timed, then it's then it's challenging, and then to, but the flingerangs, I was like, oh yeah, this is my kind of weapon, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so so anyway, that's my little that's my little God of War tangent. Um, but I do think Montepulciano would be a good one for Mimir because I kind of think he would drink whatever. Yeah. Um, He's got kind of an orky sense of humor to him. Yeah, and I mean he does have a Scottish accent. Well, no, that's a that's a dwarf. That's yeah. The dwarves uh, are coded the dwarves Scottish. Are coded Scottish. We'll um, get to the dwarves. We'll get there. Um, but I did want to mention about Montepulciano. I have mentioned this before, but um, so Montepulciano is both a grape. And a region, and they do not coincide. Hmm. Just to make things extra confusing. Okay. So there's um, in Tuscany, there is um, like Vino Nobile di Montepulciano or Rosso di Montepulciano is what it's called. It's made from Sangiovese. Hmm. Um, okay. While Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is coming from the Abruzzo region and a little bit further south, and um, and that. That is the name of the grape. I see, I see. So and it's and it's a very much like a table wine sort of grape. Um I I really enjoy it. I've had some that are not great. Um I I mean I've had you know, Sangioveses that aren't great either. So no no shade to Montepulciano. Um <laughs> but so uh so so yeah, it's like very much a table wine, a pizza wine, just kinda every every day kind of drinking Got sort it. of wine. Um, and the house wine of 
Gork and Mork's fork. Gork and Mork's fork. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, so next... Oh, and I didn't pair Dolcetto with anybody or anything. Hmm. I'll think about it. I'll keep thinking about it. Okay. Um, okay. I think Dolcetto would be a good one for... Uh, like a... What am I thinking? What am I thinking? A druid. Oh. A, a druid in D and D. A dolcetto okay. would be a good, right, right. a good, a good pairing for that. I mean, obviously, I mean, it, to to make broad statements like that, obviously, it depends on your characterization and all that. But I feel like I feel like druid a, a druid would appreciate a dolcetto. Hmm. I've played I've played more druids than anything else in D and D. So well, there you oh, go. and we've been watching um, Vox Machina. Yeah, and, and I think the druid in I that likes Keyleth, likes yeah. her likes her likes her. Booze. Well, she can't hold her booze, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yes, I think Keyleth would like a dolcetto. There you go. There you go. Okay, Corvina. Corvina is the main grape of Valpolicella. We've also talked a bunch about Valpolicella in another of my favorite episodes, probably one of my top top five for sure episodes of pairing um, the Dracula episode. Oh, yeah. There I you talked go. about Corvina a lot in that one. Or I talked about Valpolicella. Cor- Corvina is the main grape of Valpolicella, which is coming from the Veneto region, northeast Italy, we're talking now. Gotcha. Um, but Corvina always makes me think, I, I think I talked about this, always makes me think of crows. Right, the and Corvid I, family. Yes, and I know that uh, this is also apparently a thing that you can do in God of War that I did not do, but there's all the Thor's ravens right. that you can- Odin's ravens. Odin's ravens. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry, Odin's ravens. Sorry, slip of the tongue. So, uh, but yes, Odin's ravens that you can like try to try to hit them and stuff. Yeah. And, and I did not even try yeah. at once <laughs> well since you mentioned dracula now yes. is as good a time as any to discuss oh, yet another yeah. faction in the warhammer game the vampire mm-hmm. counts mm-hmm. the von karstein family ah, among, the von karstein. among others um yes manfred and vladimir and then i forget what the lady's name is um who's the wife of vlad um but they're. I think it's Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah, right. Mina. Mina Hawker. Mina Hawker. Name of my first guitar. Aww. Um, so, they are a faction of. It's exactly what they sound like. They're aristocratic necromancer vampires. Their uh-huh. armies are composed of skeletons, and zombies, Checks and out. Checks out. Uh, bats. And ghost things, and you know, and of course, you know, super tough uh, undead uh, knights and stuff like that, uh, blood knights, dark knights, etc. They are, they're not my favorite faction to play. I think their army comp is kind of boring until um, until you get to like a really high level where you have these weird monsters and zombie dragons mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But mostly, it's just about like overwhelming the other side with the magic that the vampires have and with the sheer number of your your undead hordes and uh they're they're contrasted with the tomb kings who actually i think would fit also who mm. are like more egyptians that they're they're supposed well, to be cool. they're supposed to be like the the vampire counts are like like the undead part of of the empire, mm-hmm. they like were human at one point, and mm-hmm. then 
became evil vampires, whereas the Tomb Kings are all undead and they're like undead pharaohs who live forever. And it's still like mostly skeletons, but you also get like tomb scorpions and you get these giant like Anubis warriors who are really fun. Um, They're just they're just a little bit. I like their flavor a little bit more. Nice. Um, and so also to relate this to Legend of Vox Machina, which mm-hmm. we've been, which we watched the first season of, is so good. Now, now we're into Critical Role, guys. Yeah, we're we just totally... we've discovered this show called Critical yeah, Role. Yeah, we are the first people to have discovered and it. I'm not I, sure if you guys have heard of it. I think it's swell. I do too. I love it. Um, but so in the Legend of Vox Machina, we have some vampire characters, including. Uh, Lord Silas Briarwood. Mm, um, that's right, yes. Played by uh, Matt Mercer, the DM uh, of Critical Role. Yes, there's a so, very fun... Uh, I think it takes a lot of inspiration from the anime Helsing. Um, yeah, if, yeah. If you've seen that, the aesthetic of the character Percy, who's mm-hmm. on the quest to kill the Briarwoods and avenge his family or whatever, yeah. he looks very much like... Uh, sort of a mashup of some characters from Van Helsing. He's got the long swirly coat, and the 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 they do that thing with his glasses where they yeah. like reflect the yeah. light, and it's you know looks all cool. But that's very that's all very Van Helsing. Yeah, and I imagine that's that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're smart people. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they're um, all, also they're voice actors, and it's like yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's an yeah. anime, so yeah. voice acting exactly. Um, okay. So Corvina equals vampires, obviously. Right. We're there. Okay. Next is probably a grape that um, you may not have heard of. Okay. Um, maybe I'm excited. Um, and it's called Aglianico. Um, okay. It is. It is uh, a gra- the red grape, the primary red grape of the region Campania, which is where Falangina comes from, and Falangina is one of our favorite yeah. white wines okay. from Italy. Um, Alianico, in my opinion, actually shares a lot of similarities with Sangiovese, but is kind of uh, more uh, like darker fruited. Mm. It, but it has that great acidity to it. It's got minerality to it. I think it, yeah, because it's around Campania's around um, oh one of those volcanoes. <laughs> Mount Mount Etna. No, Mount Etna's in, in Sicily. Sicily. Okay. Um, is it Vesuvius? It could be Vesuvius. Um, I have to look this up real quick. Yeah, yeah, it's Mount it's Mount Vesuvius. Oh, cool. Um, so, um, so yeah, there's this certain kind of volcanic soil quality to the wine. I actually think Aglianico is a really good one to pair with Kratos from God of War because he's got that kind of volatile, volcanic temper. temper. I mean, he can go into his rage mode. Um, But, uh, and, and and he's got that, you know, that having that acidity, but a little bit darker fruited than Sangiovese, a little bit, a little bit darker past. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, since we're on the subject of rage, now is a good time, I think. To discuss the dwarves of yes! Warhammer, or yes! the Dawi as they call themselves, mm-hmm. they are, you know, they share many characteristics with the dwarves of Lord of the Rings, from whom mm-hmm. with whom they are inspired. They're, like we said earlier, they're coded Scottish and they're coded kind of Viking. Also, Though, as we have also discussed, I think on the podcast, um, 
Tolkien apparently thought his dwarves were Jewish. Yeah, yeah. and said some very anti-Semitic things about that. So that is not great. Yeah, and so the dwarves in in Warhammer, they they take a lot of inspiration from that. Um, they have one of my favorite concepts uh, for any fantasy ever. Yeah, and it is called the Damas Kron or the Book. Of grudges. Oh yes. So it is like this is very Winston. It is like a holy book. Yeah. <laughs> where any any time anyone wrongs a dwarf, especially on a big scale like the scale of Warhammer, where you have armies, you know, yeah. Like if your dwarven goldsmiths are ambushed by uh, an army of orcs, say, the name of that. Uh, you know those the the malefactors is written in the book of grudges and yes. will not be stricken from the book until those people are made to pay usually by all being murdered and yeah, yeah. if Checks they're out. if they're really upset mm-hmm. with you like you, mm-hmm. if you do really really do some bad stuff to the dwarves then they will write your name in the book of grudges and slam it shut oh, no. until you, such time as you have been killed and there is an entire dwarf unit that is sort of like a Viking berserker that are called the Slayers. They nice. swear to die in glorious battle, and they specialize in killing monsters who are much, much bigger than them. They're mm. kind of, they're kind of a kamikaze unit because mm-hmm. they die in huge numbers. They don't wear any armor. They dye their hair and beards uh, fire red to nice. symbolize their you know, quest for vengeance or, or whatever. And uh, the dwarves who are otherwise a fairly slow moving kind of static yeah. uh, army that relies on being tough and um, having a lot of firepower. Mm-hmm. The slayers are very fast moving. And, and if you zoom in on them, like fighting a, a big giant troll or a giant, you're going to have yourself a great time. It's nice. just super fun. Nice. And if we're going to relate that to Legend of Vox Machina, obviously it would be Grog. 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 Yeah. Um, okay, next on the list, uh, Lambrusco, or the one of the primary, uh, what do you call it, clones, sub, sub-species of Lambrusco, Lambrusco grasparosa. This is the opposite situation with Montepulciano, where the name of the region and the grape is the same. Oh, that's, that's nice. That makes sense. That's nice. Yeah. It makes sense. So Lambrusco, as I've talked about before, is um, is a sparkling red wine from uh, the Emilia-Romagna region of Italy. And it can be vinified either sweet or dry or off dry. Um, and I, I personally prefer the dry. It can also be made as a rosé. Um, nice. I haven't talked about rosé. Most of these grapes can be made as rosés mm. as well. We also had an episode on rosés. I'm going to try to hold myself back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Lambrusco is is a really fun one. Um, and, and it's another good, it's honestly another great pizza wine. Um, I prefer the dry. Um, I don't, I don't love, you know, sweet wine, generally speaking, except in specific circumstances. Um, but, but, but yeah, so that's a, that's a good one to talk about. So sparkling red wine, kind of surprising, Mm. unusual, Mm. something you wouldn't think of. Let's see. Let's see. What can we relate it to? What can we relate it to? The thing about God of War is there just aren't that many characters. True. Um, Though you do have, you know, a a good chunk of the Norse pantheon in there. Yeah. Um, but 
but not as like characters that you interact with. That's there's true, the yeah. there's the two sons of Thor. Magni and Modi. Yes. Um but uh let's see, I'm trying to think in Dragon Age, who's the Lambrusco? Who's the Lambrusco? Well, no, he doesn't deserve it. I was going to say Anders in Dragon Age 2 because he ends up surprising you. Um, or uh, let's give it to, what's his name? Solus. Solus. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, he ends up surprising you too. But I could see I could see him enjoying a nice Lambrusco. Yeah, and yeah. I, th- I think if I'm going to keep on with my trend, I will at this point bring in the Kingdom of Bretonia. Nice. Which is uh, sort of a combination Britain slash Arthurian, like French Arthurian legend people. They worship the Lady of the Lake. Their army is based around like peasant squires and then like knights, questing knights, grail knights, griffin knights, all kinds of knights. Awesome. They have, uh, you know, these... um, you know, they, they take on holy orders and go on crusades and stuff. Um, and they're all about, like, the chivalry and the courtly uh, courtly romance, courtly virtues and uh, knightly, you know, knightly orders and stuff. Yeah. So, so I think that at a, you know, at a, at a ball in Bretonia in honor of the Lady of the Lake, they might serve a lame brusco. Very nice. Just be careful. I'm sorry about hitting the oh the, the mic stand. The mic stand there. No, it's okay. Um, I'm sorry. I made you sit in the in the oh, the hot seat. That's fine. Um, great. Okay, now we're gonna take a little venture down to the islands of Italy. So Sardinia and Sicily. So in Sardinia, the main grape of note is Canna now, which is what. They call Grenache or Garnacha. Mm. Um, I believe it is the same grape. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And it's very tasty. Um, I love Sardinian Cananao. Um, fun fact, probably the first wine I ever drank was, besides like Manischewitz because I'm Jewish, um, was Cananao. I didn't know that, but I went to Cis- I went to Sardinia, rather, sorry, when I was 18. And, um, and I was a very good child up until that point um (laughs) and i wasn't really a drinker um in uh like high school or anything and this was after my my freshman year of college and i went on this wine or i'm sorry i went on this painting trip um with my high school painting teacher and a bunch of other artists and we stayed at this like villa house um you know kind of b&b kind of thing but way 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 upscale and like we were the only people staying there and they cooked us these gourmet meals every night and we got and you know they served wine obviously and i finally was like you know what when in sardinia yeah so so finally 18 year old emma started drinking wine so in some ways and i'm i'm guessing the red wine there was probably canna now and so uh Cananao is the grape that really got me into wine. Huh. I could one could say that's because I cool. feel like that's probably the that. first time that I drank wine and was like, "Oh, this is good." <laughs> <laughs> um, so to relate to that, um, I don't want to talk about this game too much, but um, 
But Witcher was the game that got me mm-hmm. into video games. Yeah, yeah. So I would say Cannonow for, and I think Geralt would would drink a a Cannonow. Yeah. Actually, I think it's more of a dandelion slash Yaskir. Oh yeah, there you wine. Go. Yeah, I think he would like a good Cannonow, and he'd be really obnoxious about telling you all about it too. Mm. There you go. There we go. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I can't really think of anything. Off you don't. You don't head. have to. We don't have to pair things with every single one of these because we got a few more to get through, and we're. Uh, oh yeah, we're almost at forty minutes. So let's 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 kind of steamroll through some of these. Okay. So um, so but next I wanted to talk about the red wines of Sicily because these are a little bit more important to okay. me personally. Um, so the main one I want to talk about and I've talked about before is Norella Mascalese. That is the wine of the Etna Rosso's from around Mount Etna in Sicily. Gotcha. Okay. And. Um, and, oh my gosh, they're so freaking good. The wines of Etna are just so good. And, um, I would say, you, you know, some people compare Norella Mascalese to like Burgundy, so Pinot Noir from Burgundy. Mm. I think it also has a lot of similarities to Nebbiolo because it's like a little bit lighter. It's got more more like bright red fruit to it, I mm. would say, than Nebbiolo does. So that makes it a little bit more like Pinot Noir, um, but they are just so so darn good. I could drink those wines forever. Um, I would say Norello Mascalese is a good grape for Alistair oh, from Dragon Age. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's a good one. Because every time, because right now I'm really struggling with this playthrough. Because I I ultimately decided to romance Sevron, but every time you talk to Alistair, you're just like, you're so cute and sweet <laughs> and also now since i played the game once i know what happens <laughs> mm. anyway so that's i you don't have to have a, a pairing for well i was thinking what's the name of the the elf uh rogue in in inquisition you know the the like cockney one in inquisition dragon age inquisition uh, uh, Sarah. Sarah, yeah. Yeah. This is maybe a good wine for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. For sure. She's sort of bubbly and and complex. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say bubbly is a good a good pairing for Norella Mascalese, mm. but but I do like Norella Mascalese for her because she's got this backbone. Mm. She's got this biting wit. Um, so yeah. Um, the other main grape, the other main red grape of Sicily is Nero d'Avola. Mm-hmm. That's one that's a little bit darker, can vary a little bit more in quality, but I also love Nero d'Avola's. Um, I always associate, even though I know it's not actually how you say eagle, but I always think of eagle with Avola. I think it's, uh, I mean, I know in Spanish it's Aguila, um, mm. but there's something that I always think of like flying birds with Nero d'Avola. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a, that could be another good one for a druid. That's true. Also, the uh, the wood elves of Warhammer. That's right. Lore, that's was that's one of your they, favorite things. They yeah. are one of my favorites to play. They, of course, are very much like the wood elves from Lord of the Rings. Uh, a lot of archery and and dryads and stuff like that. But one of their other features is they have giant eagles. Yeah. That they are part of the their eagles armies. are coming. Yep, and they ride giant eagles, and you can just have giant eagles rip up your your enemies all day. 
um, uh, you know, they're very earthy and, you know, the, the, the wood elves are the kind of people who might, for instance, ride a shield down a set of stairs while shooting people the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. then leap onto a giant eagle and go party with some Narodavala. Yeah. Legolas would definitely drink some Narodavala. I mean, there's that whole scene that takes place in Mirkwood in The Hobbit where the elves just get fucking they wasted. They just get plastered. Yeah. And uh, I, I would believe that Nero de Avila would be the, would be the wine that they were yeah. drinking. Straight from Lake Town. That's right. <laughs> um, the Last Grape of Sicily, this one's a little bit less known but is also really great, um, is called Frappato. Hmm. What I really think of with Frappato that stands out to me, it's a more quote-unquote feminine style. So, you know, what that means is kind of like, you know, very pretty fruit to it, a little bit lower in tannin. Um, I don't like the gendering of flavors, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's a thing that people in the wine business do. Um, and But Frappato has... This really, I, I think of it as more than any other grape I can think of, of like having blue fruit to it. Blue, ooh, like blueberries. Yeah, oh. like, yeah. Um, and it's really nice. The my my favorite frappato that I've had is from Ariana Occhipinti, um, who is one of my favorite winemakers in Sicily. And so frappato, I think, would be a good one for. I'm going through all the D&D classes in my head. <laughs> uh, I think I think Rangers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and so okay. that could be a good one for Vex. I think it's Vex, Vex is the, is yeah. the ranger. Vexalia yeah, yeah, in in Legend of Fox Machina. Well, actually what you got me thinking about was um the uh Sicily at one point was ruled by uh, uh Vikings. Oh, cool. It was ruled by Normans, and um, it was in in medieval Europe at a time when, you know, religious uh, warfare was a big deal. They they pretty much didn't care. They were like, we're Vikings. Give us money. Mm -hmm. Pray to who you want. So it was like a big kind of multicultural mixing pot of, Mm. you know, where you had Muslim traders, Christian traders, like... Turks, every everybody, everybody was welcome in Sicily as long as you coughed up some money. Yeah, uh, for the Vikings and um, uh, they. Uh, I don't know why I made the connection, but I thought of um, Vikings, and then I thought of the the Celts. The the oh the, yeah, the, when you totally. said blue, yeah, the, Celts, the blue woad, the woad, yeah. the woad die. Yeah, yeah. No, I that's love that. that's what came to my mind. I love that. Um, which they're not. I guess in in Warhammer there is a, a faction called the Norskins who are aligned with chaos, but they have like all, all that sort of Vikingly uh, trappings where mm-hmm. they're. Ooh, I just realized this is a perfect one for Jester from Laura Bailey's character oh, from the yeah. second season <laughs> of Critical Role. I'm not afraid she, of dicks. I'm not afraid of dicks um, <laughs> because she's a blue tiefling, I believe. Oh, there you go. Yes. Jester would love Frappato. There you go. Also, Zinch, the chaos god of magic and change, um, his little demon horde hordlings are come in different colors of horror. So there's pink Ooh. horrors and blue horrors. Okay. So 
Blue Horrors. There, there you, you go. go. Blue hor- Horrors. 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 The Rurger. The Rurger. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we're now getting into some of the more obscure grapes. So I want to kind of go through them. Well, okay. Before I before I get into those, I do want to give a shout out to Negro Amaro, hmm. which is a grape from Puglia in southern Italy. Puglia is the heel of the boot. I see. Um, and uh, and and Negro Amaros they can vary widely because I actually just had a Negro Amaro recently, um, which uh, Brooke Gen- Brooke Jeanette uh, from. 13 who's been on the podcast a couple times she turned me on to this one um that was very like almost sangiovese-esque hmm. but most negro amaros i think of them as being be- very dark fruited full-bodied more like black fruit we're talking like blackberry um and a little bit almost like a almost raisinated quality to some of them like they're they're pretty they're pretty big um and so that one I would say is good for uh oh wait, I just had it. I'm going through the D and D classes again. <laughs> we've we've talked enough about barbarians again, but 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 it would be a good one for barbarians mm. um and fighters. Maybe paladins. Okay. Paladin would drink Negro Amaro. All right. Because they're just like, I want the biggest and most holy thing. Well, (laughs) paladins probably don't drink because they're boring. Yeah. Dorks. Dorks. Anyway. (laughs) um, Okay. So that's Negro Amaro. Um, Okay. uh, One cool one. This is an obscure one, but it's one of my favorites. Grignolino, Hmm. um, which I think is also mostly found in... Piedmont, where Nebbiolo, Barbera, Dolcetto are, um, is very, it's a very light red wine, super light, like just a step above rosé. And so it's one of my favorite summer wines, and it's a really food-friendly wine, because it's a red wine you definitely want to chill, and um, it can be really versatile, and it's really refreshing in the summertime if you, like, want a red wine but don't want something really heavy. Well, that's cool. Um. That's a good one for for bards. All right. Yeah, like uh, Scanlan. Scanlan rise. Scanlan rise. He would definitely like a Grignolino. Nice. It's also a good one. I feel I feel like gnomes would like it because it's a tricksy grape. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um. Okay. Now we're getting into this is we're now getting into the territory of I know I have had all of these wines at some point. But I don't know what they are like. Oh, wait. Before we get into those, um, Rafosco. I wanted to mention Rafosco, which is one of the red grapes of Friuli, of Friuli Venezia Giulia, which is right on the border of Slovenia in northeastern Italy and is one of my absolute favorite wine regions in the world. However, most of the wines from that region are actually French grapes that have been transplanted there. So you'll find a lot of like Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay from Friuli. And it's one of my favorite regions for those grapes. Hmm. So don't tell the French, but I like those grapes 
in that region sometimes a lot better than I like them in other places from France. But uh, Refosco is one of the, I believe, indigenous Italian grapes to that region. Um, it has more in common with Cabernet Franc. It's kind of like between Cabernet Franc and Merlot, I'd say. So it's got some funkiness to it, but um, it's and it's like night. It can be nice and smooth. Um, it's not super tannic, but um, so that's a that's a cool one. Hmm. Um, I'd say that's a good one for a monk. Oh, okay. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. I was gonna say the only association I have is that that region of Italy. Mm-hmm. is, I think, pretty close to where the Asanso River is. And in World War One, the be, Austro-Hungarian be. Empire and the Kingdom of Italy fought like 12 or 13 battles of the Asanso River. Mm-hmm. And it was very World War One y like tons and tons of people died, and it kept changing hands, and mm-hmm. nobody, you know, nothing was really gained, and it just kind yeah. of bled, bled both both combatants white. Gotcha. Um, the numerous battles of the Asanso River. Gotcha. Um, okay, so now we're getting into the random obscure grapes. Finally. One, Pericone, which just sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Peregrine. It's like Peregrine Toque. Yeah, or Pericomo. A halfling would drink a Pericone, for I bet, sure. I bet Pericomo would, too. I bet Pericomo would, too. Um, Schiava, another one of my favorite also sort of a lighter style red wines. Um, but at, for something for some reason, there's like something very seductive about Schiava to me. Hmm. So I don't know if there's any like seductive characters in our... Well, there's the, there's the, uh, the, the chaos god Slanesh. Um, Ooh, and the Valkyries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a go. good one for the Valkyries. The chaos... I'm not, they're, not, they're more just murderous, but, right. but in theory they could be. <laughs> the the demonettes of Slanesh have their tits out and uh, they like hypnotize people and dismember them in a way that their victims I guess find ecstatic. The uh, the succubi. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And so the 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 demonettes of Slanesh are like these naked ladies with uh, like giant crab claws. Nice. And, um, nice. And Slanesh, of all the chaos gods, maybe this is more 40K than uh, than the fantasy, but Slanesh is the one chaos god who was created by the elves. Oh. The elves' hedonism and conceit and arrogance gave birth to the chaos god Slanesh and simultaneously created the uh, dark elves who like to abduct people and turn them into sex slaves and gladiator pit slaves and um, generally just do nasty things and and suck blood and fuck forever. Oh! Oh! Um, So that's Slanesh, the chaos god of pleasure and seduction. All right, all right. Um, next, we've got a grape called Fumin, which, if I'm not mistaken, is from the region of Trentino Alto Adige. So Alto Adige is the region in, like, the north-central part of Italy that's, like, right on the border of Switzerland, I want to say. So there's, like, some kind of Swiss-German influence on on those wines there. Um, I don't remember much about it, but I did want to mention it. Because uh, it is an important wine region. Okay. It exists. A lot of Pinot Grigio comes from Trentino Alto Adige. Ah, I see. For you. Okay. 
Um, Galliopo. I believe I had a Galliopo a couple years ago. I think I sold one at the store I was working at, and it was also like a lighter style red red wine with a little bit of effervescence to it. Mm. Other than that, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Okay. Um, but I feel like that could be a good one for sorcerer. Oh yeah, there you go. Why not? No wizard. All right, wizard. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That too. Yeah. Um, Piedi Rosso is another wine that I don't remember much about specifically, but I know that it exists, um, and it's fun to say. Uh, I think that one is also from the Campania region. I could be, I could be mistaken. Hmm. Um, Maniello, one of my absolute favorite wines. Um, that's just like a name of a D and D character. Yeah. I'm going to name my next D and D character Susu Maniello. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Schiopettino, that's another great. That's another great one. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think some Schiopettinos also come from Friuli. I could be mistaken, hmm. but they're good. They're really good. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good sorcerer wine. Yeah, I'm just saying. Sure, I'm why just not? saying that. Okay, uh, Teraldigo or Teraldego. I think it's Teraldigo. Who knows? Um, that that also that sounds like the name of a horse. Like you're you're Teraldego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Teraldego or Teraldego. Maybe it's because it sounds like Hidalgo. And, oh, there and, you go. And I'm thinking of the movie with Viggo Mortensen. Um, Vespolina. Vespolina is another another good one, and I believe another blending grape of uh, Valpolicella. Okay. I think right. I could be wrong. Um, but that's a that's another one um, that I I don't know anything about specifically. And then we have the three C's, which are the blending grapes of Tuscany: ah. Colorino, Chilegiolo, and Caniolo. I wanted to mention them because they're in almost every like Chianti or something like that. Some some combination of them. Oh, nice. And um and I thought it's fun that they're the three C's, and I feel like we could we could. Do something with that in a D and D campaign, or yeah. um, or something like that, like the three, you know, three sisters or three musketeers, three musketeers, exactly. Um, and that's what I've got. There are, as I mentioned, several thousand more of these <laughs> grapes if you choose to dive in, um, to the to the red wines of Italy. But thank you for for coming with us on this journey. Is there any Anything else you wanted to get in? Any other? Um, well, I would just say since we've been talking about Italy, there's a really good fantasy series by um, an independent oh, author yeah. named Cass Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first book is called From Unseen Fire. Mm-hmm. The second is called Give Way to Night. And there's a third one on the way. Um, it is a fantasy series set in what is late Republican Rome by another name. Mm-hmm. So you got uh, a- ancient Rome plus magic, and the yeah. the the um, the like Gauls and Celts have a whole different magic style than the Romans. Uh, Roman men aren't supposed to, um, or they're supposed to like register and never go into politics if they're um, if they're uh, <clears throat> if they have magic, but of course uh, the Julius Caesar character does have magic that he keeps secret. 
Um, all the magic comes from a different god, you know, whether Venus or Pluto or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, Jupiter, it, Jupiter, yes, and, and Ju- Juno specifically, also a lot of stuff. And it's uh, revolves around three um, three sisters of the same sort of highborn Roman family. Oh yeah, and oh, Colorino, uh, Chilagiolo, and there you go, the three sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Um, <laughs> And it's uh, just really, it's a really fun read, and it's also got, like, you know, your romance, and you get a lot of, like, historically accurate um, description of how Roman legions fight, even though there's magic involved, the, like, actual, like tactics that the Romans used you get uh, a lot especially in the second book and you get a lot of the like politicky backstabby stuff from like the HBO series Rome is also in there nice um, oh that's such a good show yeah it really is and and also um, you know I interact with Cass online from time to time and she's just a really <laughs> oh my god you're so famous she's just a really nice person she has a podcast called World Building for Masochists Aww. where she and other um, fantasy authors talk about you know how how to create a fantasy to, world. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. Um, and so yeah, I just wanted to plug that a little bit. And uh, if you have time, check it out. It's you know support young and uh, independent authors. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, Winston, and thank you all for bearing with me thank as you. I just threw caution to the wind and said. Let's just talk about all the things that we're, the that we things. like all right now. All the nerdy now. things. Yes. Um, because if I'm nerdy about anything, it is Italian wine. Oh, well, there you go. As Cheers. you might have learned if you listened to an episode of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you all. Cheers. Cheers. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.